Welcome to a podcast. A good podcast about board games and my wife. A very good podcast in which I persuade her. Also, let's not start by saying very good. We don't understand it yet. Is it, yeah, but it's ironic. Why is it ironic? What's the irony? I think maybe this is a good intro. <laughs> Welcome to Board Games with My Wife, with me, Jack. With who? <laughs> <laughs> with me, with me, Jack. And my wife Lottie. Do you remember my wife? My wife. No, Mahal and it's Mahai. It was Mah Mahi, so it's Mahai. Okay. I added a H to these words, I don't have H's in. Uh hello, this is a Birdwood Games podcast. Birdwood Games being our little publisher with a Kickstarter project coming to Kickstarter, funnily enough, this autumn. Shocker. If you follow Birdwood Games on Instagram or Twitter, and you can do so if you don't already, by typing in at Birdwood, bird as in the bird, and then wood as in trees, uh, Birdwood Games onto Instagram or Twitter, you will find a little art teaser for our game. Ooh. Guess what, lads? What? It's a dog. It's a dog, yeah. It's an Airedale Terrier painted by the phenomenally talented Holly Exley, who is a UK watercolour um, artist and... I've been obsessed with her work for some time. You have, yeah, you have, you have. There indeed. is more... Our little dog is just chewing a bit of rubbish. <laughs> so I really hope you're enjoying this kind of like... What's this? What's this, What's this corner meeting? <laughs> um, as I wax lyrical about our game. Yes. Um, it's exciting, isn't it? It was the first bit out in the wild. It's so exciting. We've had some really great feedback. So yeah. thank you so much for those people that have written to us. <laughs> Whenever I say things, I always sound like, like so grand. Man. Like someone's got their quill and ink and been like, Oh, I bequeath you my praise. Well, to be fair, they, they do write. They if people writing. did write to us, send it. And it's so nice. I cannot tell you how nice it is to be excited with people that aren't Jack. No offence. I love you. But... Oh, that's questionable. If you listen to this body of evidence, <laughs> I think you'll find that's questionable. But it's so exciting to talk about this little particular piece of art, the sweet Airedale Terrier, who just looks like they want to go on a walk. It's really exciting to start, start talking about that with other people. It is exciting, um, isn't it? I also love that some people are finding... We haven't officially announced the, the name of the game yet, but some people are finding it on BGG, which I love. Yeah, it's we, like, there was several people have subscribed to it, and we're like, that's clever, because you've obviously gone some effort for that, so we appreciate you the most. Yeah, we do. Not that we're keeping tabs, although we are keeping tabs. We've got a little spreadsheet. Um, <laughs> so I was saying welcome and telling you who we are, so that's who we are. That we have exciting, a game coming it? out. Um, it's got at least an Airedale it's, Terrier it's, in it. It's so. got at least, and that's all it is, it's one. <laughs> one individual dog. <laughs> so welcome, we're Birdwood Games and this is our podcast, Board Games. Board Games. Board Games. Board Games with me. With me and my wife. Why are we adding constants and, 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 and vowels today? I don't know, I really don't know. Um, but welcome. Um, what else to tell you? Uh, we have, before we crack into it, some competitions coming up. Which I thought you might like to know about. Because or finish if you listen to this in five years' time. And you, and you, you, re and you retrieve this from the wreckage of humanity after a nuclear apocalypse. You're like, oh, oh what's, no, what's no, this no. Behold, good games? What are they talking about? I don't think we need to bring in a nuclear apocalypse. Okay, even still, you just retrieve this from the event eventual robot uprising that, that occurs. You might find this podcast in the in the rubble of humanity and be like, oh. Do you think any kind of curators will have been like, hold on, make sure we've got a good copy of all games <laughs> with my wife? <laughs> People find someone might have it like on a DVD or something. Someone might, someone might be, someone might be the <laughs> hobby ripping podcasts onto DVDs, and then that's their hobby. And then that person what lives a terrible it. Terrible hobby. Happens. Whoa! Firstly, that's a valued valued listener, um, and and that person is like lives in a bunker. They have to live in like a bunker with stay in this nuclear apocalypse. And then there's some sort of happenstance where they have like a slip and a fall, a comedy slip and fall, and they like smash everything. But ball goes with my wife. <laughs> and it's like they're haunted by yeah, it. Yeah, and, and they have to keep listening to it and now this is like the 700th time they've heard this episode so they hate us yeah. okay person um, who survived the robot uprising and only managed to keep copies of board games with my wife I'm really sorry that you're listening <laughs> to our voices um, that was a tangent if there ever has been a tangent that has been a tangent I know some people criticise us in our IT reviews for being waffly uh, IT and reviews? I just, iTunes I thought you said IT reviews I thought you said IT reviews <laughs> I said iTunes and I just don't understand why I don't know where they get that impression that we're waffly yeah, we're really waffly I don't know where we get that impression we're waffly <laughs> This um, is like our real life, though, isn't it? We're trying to do stuff, and then we're like, let's just talk about this this bizarre happenstance. Some hokum. Yeah. That's the second time I use happenstance in like a sentence. I don't know why that's my word of the day. Because people write to I you think, about it. Personally, for Christmas, you should get me a word of the day calendar, and then I'll try and use that word. In would the you day. like that? I I think I would, but then I'd also forget about it for like forty days, and I'd, <laughs> then I'd be like, right, have I got to now cram all forty days of these words in? <laughs> That would be a challenge. Um, I was talking about a competition before you interrupted me with whatever. We can't prove I interrupted you. 
Oh, we've got the tapes. <laughs> we've actually we've got, got the edit tapes. the tapes. So you just edit out the bit of you interrupting yourself, and then you'll make me look guilty. Can I tell the good people about the competition? You can They're tell probably the great really pe- pissed off you now. Can tell because... the great people about the competition. Yes. Okay, so good people, great people. Uh, we are running a competition to win Mariposas, designed by Elizabeth Hargrave and published oh, why? by AEG. And we're running the competition to win Mariposas because Elizabeth Hargrave will be in our next newsletter. So two reasons to sign up for the newsletter. The first is the brilliant interview with Elizabeth, who so kindly gave me her time uh, the other week. We spoke about designing board games, we spoke about creating board games around your real-life passions, and we spoke about inclusivity in the industry. And to read that interview, which will only be going in the newsletter, you need to sign up to the Birdwood Games newsletter, and you can do that by going to birdwoodgames.co.uk. The other reason you should sign up is because there will be another teaser for our board game. And... It will be a good one. It will, it will be good. What's the teaser going to be? Tell us. I'm not going to tell you. Another teaser. Exciting. Yeah. So super exciting. So it's all going on in the newsletter that will be going out on the... 2nd of May. Oh, no, the 7th oh. of May. <clears throat> that was close. You were fairly close. The 2nd of May, the Sunday. Oh, we send our newsletter out on a Friday. Friday, punctually. Yeah, punctually. Punctually. So be there or be square. Or cubed. Or cubed. <laughs> that's like lots of squares um, I think that's all I have to say for my preamble we've preambled quite a little bit before. we have preambled yes but it was a good preamble you've spoken about some important things like a very exciting interview and some more more interesting teasers yes which is exciting yeah actually can't even hold on to my hat it's gone you weren't wearing a hat was I? was that because you were so excited that you were, yeah. you were hatless blown I was off? hatless you were already hatless so should we talk about what's quite alright we shout or what's quite alright have you prepared stuff yes have you uh, yes, I have, as I always do. It's always slightly combative, this part of the episode. Have you prepared anything? Well, quite often I don't prepare stuff, and I sometimes just steal the things that you prepared, so it that's happens. probably why you're slightly defensive on this issue. Yes. Shall I go first? No, I'll go first. Okay. No, you can go first, it's fine. You're a very odd person. <laughs> uh, the thing that's caught my eye is a Kickstarter, and it's, going to, it's only got 50 hours left at the time of record, so I think it would have just closed or might still be open just by the time this episode goes out but it might have a late pledge fingers crossed and the game is called the girl who made the stars and it's been created by final frontier games and this game is a worker placement towel laying game for one to four players based on a south african myth about the creation of the milky way and the stars and it just sounds so charming the art is really really beautiful the gameplay looks sophisticated and simple and i love the theming i don't think off the top of my head really depressingly that I can think about any games that we own that have any kind of myth of that ilk no I can't think of any either it does sound very interesting we have a lot of western kind of like western storytelling games so that sounds really really cool yeah we do don't we a lot of them yeah which is cool. It's cool to see that kind of sort of stuff coming in more, which is really definitely. cool. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Um, and the gameplay looks really cool. They're also at the same time. Is it funded, I assume? Yeah, it's funded. It's well funded. Is it mega funded? It what is. was its target? Uh, its target was uh, 21,000 English pounds. Oh, English pounds. And it's now on 99,000 English pounds. Yeah, that's a lot of English pounds. It's gone very it well. And it's not, it's not over yet, so we'll get more English pounds. Yeah. It will probably go over so 100,000 English pounds. So for those who pounds. want to know that in the dollars for the conversion rate, before you bother Googling, let me convert for you. Shall I do it in my head? Oh, no. It's quite... No. Um, it's 30,000 US dollars, and it's now 135.5 I was going to guess 140,000, so that wouldn't have been bad, would it? That wouldn't have been bad, but no. it's not accurate, so... Oh, okay. Well, you've been fired as a converter. <laughs> I don't think that I would be, like, hired as the converter. You know, like, in a travel agent, so it's like, right, what's the dollar rate? I'm like, um, <laughs> this many. <laughs> <laughs> this is terrible. It's fluctuating massively. Um, they are also releasing, along with The Girl Who Made the Stars, a game called Salami, which is another equally beautiful-looking game. Salami? No, salami. <laughs> <laughs> I was reading about what I'm going to talk about next. I thought you just said the word listening. salami. You weren't listening. Um, salami is a tile laying and drafting game where you assemble constellations. So they both have nice. these really beautiful... That's both um, quite space, astrological, astrological, not space, mm. astrological themes, which is yeah. very nice. Really lovely looking. Well, speaking of things that are lovely looking and that you probably would like, mm-hmm. something that's caught my eye this week is a game called Equinox mm-hmm. by Plan B Games. And I'll read you the tagline. Build on legendary creatures, then help them survive to become legends. You know what I feel? Is I feel that I'm really proud of the work that I've done to basically 
train you to become a minion that searches out board games for me. Yeah, and if you look at... I'm not sure what the mechanically the game looks like. There's not much information. It looks like some kind of bidding, bidding reserving game, but there are these lovely, lovely, like, <gasps> spirity, oh creaturey, like, things in there. There's a green edition and a purple edition, and for all intents and purposes, I think they're just different... Colours. Colours, box yeah. colours, and then game colours contents. I don't know if it, if it if it varies more than that. I don't know. It doesn't look um, like it does. It's, it's coming out later this year. But it's, yeah, it's a look very... Look at the little owl! Yeah, look at the little owl. It's a very I'm low... A very low weight. Looks like, yeah, and a very simple sort of card bidding sort of drafting style game. Um, and with lots of lovely It's also got a playmat, which I really, really that's, like. Play I know that's not included. Oh. I believe, yeah. It's, I'm Maybe that's sure. going to be an extra you can buy. I really like a playmat. Like, the thing that it's makes... It's not included it's... in the base game. Oh. Crumbs. Sorry, sorry to report that officially from 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 Plan BHQ. Just say it's not included. Where is it then? It will probably be on sale, I imagine. But the photo says it's not yeah. in the base game. So I will. really like what I find irritating about playmats is that because they do nothing for the game in terms of mechanics, mm. and if you don't know if you're going to like it yet, it feels like such a big. Yeah, I know it's not a big investment, but it's like it's an investment. Particularly for this kind of game, where you look at it and the way the cards lay out, they lay out. I don't know, five by five grids, five six by six it's grids. Actually so really it's, big it's, it's actually grid. quite big. But the cards are quite small. They're like sort yeah. of half size cards, and you think if you had a playmat and it does, and the playmat picture look gorgeous, it's that feeling of like, yeah, the game's probably thirty 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 dollars, so twenty 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 five pounds, and then the playmat itself was probably going to be like twenty pounds. Yeah. Like so, it's like, do I spend? But it is so yeah. pretty. Yeah. But then it's when, like... you, when you combine the two, it's such a satisfying thing, and it's like, how much do also, I balance? That? I don't know why, but I really dig neoprene roll mats. You do, don't you? They're I very really satisfying. do. Does anyone else? Does anyone else vibe with me on that? There's something about a neoprene roll mat where it's just like it's so texturally satisfying. Oh, that was quite. That was that was that was interesting. I don't intend to be creepy when yeah, I'm talking bit, about texturally satisfying roll mats, but it I was do. The, it was the face expression and the kind of like hands that rubbed get rubbed together. Yeah, was I was doing of... a little bit of salt bay, yes. neoprene bay. Neoprene, Maybe yeah. it won't be as catchy. <laughs> <laughs> also, neoprene is such an ugly word. Like, should we have a look at the etymology? Oh, there we go. We've now turned into a words podcast. For OG listeners, do you remember when we were going to do that? <laughs> we were going to boot Jack off. One point it was going to be a pie podcast as well, wasn't it? Oh, this is boring. It's a genericised trademark for Dupont brand of polychloroplane. Oh, so it's a company. Yeah. Oh, so it's not. So it's like it's like jacuzzi. It's it, it, it's what it is, but it's yeah. like jacuzzi is a company, a brand, not a, not an actual thing. Yeah. So originally called Duprene, a blend of Dupont and Isoprene, the new is now because Neoprene was the first mass-produced general product synthetic rubber. So is Neoprene the name of a company then? Neoprene is the name of a product still. I'm confused. It's the genericised trademark for the Dupont brand of oh, polychloroprene. Yeah, so it's Dupont, yes, it's Brandon ones. Yeah, so that's it. That's sad. <sighs> well, that's the end of the words podcast, kids. <laughs> Back to the board <laughs> games. <laughs> that's a really interesting game, Equinox. Thank you for sharing that and bringing it to my attention. I just, you know, Sad sometimes times. I just would like to, like, save some money. <laughs> yes. Oh. Yeah, I, I I do love a neoprene mat, but it's just like, we've got, like... What? I was talking about saving money. Yeah, no, but 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 I'm just saying, I love a neoprene mat, but it's just like, we've got, like, a little like, drawer of, like, rolled neoprene mats for different games, which, fair, we do use. But also, the thing but... is, because we play our games so infrequently, we play a, we play a large variation yeah. of games rather than turning to them. It's, it's, a, it's, it's, it's Sophie's choice. It's, Sophie being me. <laughs> and the choice being between two <laughs> not bad options. <laughs> oh, I'm hard done by anything else caught your eye? Uh yeah, something else has caught my eye. You've come with two. Oh I come with two. I've yeah, come yeah. I've come play coming to play today. I've come, you know, hardcore. Do you want more? No. So I've found a game called Hippocrates by mm. Game Brewer. I'm Googling. So Hippocrates, I, I think the theme and the idea sounds really interesting. I'm not you sure can't just search, you can't just Google No, you can't Google Hippocrates because the, the, the big lad from, from 300 or 400 BC will pop up and be like, it's me, Hippocrates. <laughs> <laughs> um, so basically, it is Hippocrates is dead. And it's 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 the the the, the tag is like there's doubts regarding his medical activities and whether they're any good. Ooh, so I'm pretty fun. sure he's the father of medicine. I think that's what he's known as is the father of medicine. So you play as doctors who are like trying to perpetuate his treatments of like how, of the things he was doing to basically try and I, I, it sounds like be his successor and like get forge medicine's path so medicine can be you know where it is today in in, in the 21st century. Uh, so I think that's really. I, just think, I love that. I love the sound of that. I don't know why. I really like the sound of that theme and that kind of like idea of like it's 
I'm not sure mechanically what what it is. It's got some interesting looking components with like different like um, bits and bits and pieces of like bottles and those kinds of things. And there's some yeah. interesting like quirky looking components. It looks kind of like worker placementy style slash kind of like action selection with some dice management that that sort of thing going on in there. Yeah. I just really like the theme and the idea. Yeah. I really like the idea. There's one more thing that's caught my um, eye as well, which is similar again, like the theme, but also I think you'll be buzzing about this as well for the artists, is Unconscious Minds, Unconscious Minds, sorry, singular, um, which is a new game coming from Fantasia Games, going to be released next year. And the reason that it's caught my eye is because it's, the art is done by Andrew Bosley, the artist of Everdell, and Vincent Dutrait, who is a... I've seen the cover of this, it looks really interesting, yeah. It looks really interesting, and I think the thing that, besides that amazing artistic pairing, the game is about Sigmund Freud. So the tagline is, through dreams, Freud's followers delve into their patients' unconscious minds. So it sounds like a really ambitious game in terms of the theme as well. Yes. Um, I'm going to be fascinated as someone who has a little bit of Freud in their research, what kind of angle on Freud they take, because he's not... Um, Isn't he a weirdo? Is he a weirdo? He's not a clean-cut character. Aren't they both a pair of weirdos? I vaguely remember doing like art GCSE and learning about Lucian Freud. And he was a weirdo, wasn't he? Oh, I'm being really harsh here, and I don't um, remember. Too far, I didn't do very well at RGSSE, so um, this could be, this could be, you know. I don't know if they're related. I thought they were related. I thought they were brothers or cousins. Again, like I said, I didn't do very well at the subject, so if there was some level of having to remember any of these things. Oh, no, they are brothers. Wow, what a successful family. There you go. I was a bit, a bit, a bit, a bit, a bit, a bit like convenient if two people had like that surname and were that famous. Also, how interesting a painter and a psychoanalyst. Hmm. I wonder what they're like. difficult childhood. I wonder what growing up was like in the Freud household. difficult childhood with Mr. and Mrs. Freud. Anyway, so that's um, Unconscious Mind. So one to look out for next year. There's a lot of like waiting, isn't there? The 2022, that one? Yeah. No, that's a shame. There's a lot of waiting around in this industry. For people to make things for us yeah. to play. It is, it, is interesting. it is interesting, isn't it? That's like, that's quite, so it's like a film, isn't it? Like a film you see a well, trailer yeah. or and like, also, hear about all, it. Like, all that's out is the blurb and yeah, the cover. Yeah, the cover, yeah. Like that's it. Yeah. Um, I'm sure they're still probably they're, I guess they're still working away on it but Exciting. yeah really cool we haven't actually at all mentioned yet what today's episode is about that is quite funny isn't it we How have far talked for 21 minutes that is quite funny and we funny. haven't told the people yes what we're going to talk about we haven't told the people what what is actually what, so what is what are we talking why are we here I'm going to keep you hanging on a moment longer oh. just to ask you also they've read the title Let's imagine they have the potential. <laughs> uh, just to ask you to please, if you haven't already, rate, review and subscribe to Board Games with My Wife wherever you get your podcasts. It really helps other people find us, apparently. And we want to be found. So um, do do that, please. We so appreciate it. And we really do like reading your reviews, even the ones that call us a little bit nutty. Because um, we are. We are. That's a fair comment. To be that fair. is accurate. That is absolutely yeah. accurate. Um, so that's all I've got to say. Now, <laughs> proceeding with the episode. <laughs> you sound like you're in like a gate court, a course gate. What if okay. I'm going to leave? Yeah, that's what I've got to say. A gate course. Yeah, no, or I, a actually, gate. I think I said I think I said a cake course initially. <laughs> then I said a course cake. So or course cake. Do you want some Who's cake? <laughs> no, I was trying to say a court case. That's what I was trying to say, mm. and it was just like didn't didn't it didn't come out very well. Is lime so. juice on your mind again? Yeah, possibly. Yes, yes. It's um, it's it might well it might well be. Do you want to tell the people about the the meme you saw? <laughs> yeah, which one? Oh yeah, okay. I got, apologies. <laughs> and for then the, I promise I'll tell you what the episode's uh, about. <laughs> apologies for the for the for the for the for the terrible for the terrible Irish accent that's coming up here. Um, but if anyone has seen British television show Line of Duty. Or um, if you know what that is, you might. You hopefully do know. That. It's a very good like police. What would you drama it's, thriller it's, it's sort more of like a drama and a thriller? A bit, like, too, lots yeah. of things going on. It's, it's, it's decent. It's, it's really decent. decent. Yeah. So those of you who not in not in the UK, you can um, you can watch it probably on, like BBC America or wherever or you Brit are Box. or Britbox. Yeah. The yeah. So so anyway, Line of Duty. There's basically the whole point of it is that just you are, get to the people don't you know, people need the if, context. Yeah, but if people don't know what okay, it's well, about maybe, 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 you don't, if you know what it is, you're not going to get it anyway. So it's not even that funny. I just sent it to you, and you were like laughing for ages at this. So um so anyway. So there. Do I need to explain it, or do I just say what it just is? Just say what it is. Okay. So how do I say it? Because it's not. In oh the, my god! Why don't you deliver the memes? I'm not even sure. I can't remember the meme now. Okay. The character Ted Hastings often talks about nicking Kent boppers. No, you said it the wrong way around. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> oh dear! <laughs> See, it's hard. It's hard to deliver memes verbally. <laughs> I'm not meant for delivery, 
is that's basically what the meme is. The meme is about a uh, raving uh, Yeah, there's, there's there's a police officer who's who's, who's who's his goal is to do what he calls bent coppers, which are police officers who are crooked or corrupt. And basically, there's <laughs> there was a raving Kent. I, I don't know where it was. It was illegal. The police broke it up because of COVID rules. And it's got the guy saying, basically, I want all, all I'm all I'm looking to do is 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 bust bent no <laughs> bent coppers. Not even that funny. <laughs> oh god yeah I'm gonna put the meme in the show notes so if you're a Line of Duty fan you can appreciate it in it's full glory and not this absolutely it's slaughtering of it this slaughtering of a meme that's oh, like gosh. only like a huh <laughs> <laughs> in fact, it did make me properly laugh it did make you very laugh yeah so um, there you go so now we've now we've got to that point should we tell oh them what gosh. the episode is about yeah because we're <laughs> 25 minutes in and they've probably turned off um this episode is about the most replayable games this episode is obviously not the most replayable podcast because <laughs> it's a load of trash garbage um but so we're talking about eight of our favorite replayable games and these are games that we find really easy to return to we feel really compelled by them after we've played and sometimes we'll play a couple of them in a row um so they have erred on the side of shortness i would say um in fact they are these are shorter games aren't they we haven't included any particularly long ones well yeah i think what's interesting is that a lot of these games for my opinion because of playability it's a lot of like, I don't know. It's hard to say. It's a lot of like, almost like games that are what the gets back same. To the, yeah, but but the way I see it, a lot of the time it's like it's like variations slightly, but a very similar gameplay loop with not actually masses of divergent strategies and those kinds of things. Because it's like inherently, it's like it's got a few twists each time, a bit of randomness that make it you want to come back to it. But actually, it's lack of complexity or lack of weight or lack of heaviness is it makes it means you can get to the table. It's easy. It's fresh. It, it, you, you remember the rules, which is really important. You put it to the table. And you're like, oh, I know. I know what this. I know how to play this game. I don't need to. I don't need to sit down and spend fifteen minutes setting it up and learning the rules. Yeah. Because all these games are really quick setup as well, aren't they? I would say so, but as someone who shirks the setup responsibility quite often, I'm probably not best placed to say. Yeah, it's a bit of variation, quick setup, quick quick reminder of what the rules are. That makes me a replayable game. Yeah, I think that's fair enough. And also, this is kind of based on our taste in this, terms this of is our, our taste, taste yeah. and our time constraints. I think of, of what we like to replay and what we feel like. Yeah, we both really click. Also, with that. what's great is us, about us doing a replayable games podcast is that is that we don't replay games very yeah. often. So if you're on this list, you're doing something right. Would you like to go first this week? I will go first. I will start us off with a game called Dixit by Liblud. Liblud? Liblud. I think it's Liblud. Liblud. I think it's been republished by a lot of people because it's quite an older game. I say quite an older game. It's only 2008, which is like, what, 13 years ago. It is designed by uh, Jean-Louis Ribera. Ribera? Ribera? I think it's Ribera. It's really fun that you're dyslexic. I just find that. I, I, I would say Ribera. Okay, I'm looking at this name and I thought his, the R and the A, I and the A were the other way around. I'm not surprised. Yeah, so that is that. Basically, what it is getting to the point is that it is a... It's the first of a type of game that's kind of spawned many games that kind of, not copy it, but be inspired by it, where it's a game where you get cards that are quite surreal, art-style, dreamy, imaginary, mash-up-y-style things together in on a card. So it's not like a... It's like a weird picture, and it's not like... So it's not obvious what it is. It's not just like a picture of a boat. It might be like, I don't know, a spider in a boat doing something, whatever whatever it is. It's, 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 a, bit, it's a bit more kind of creative. And then what you're trying to do as the player... Abstract. It, abstract, that's what, that's what I'm looking for. What you're trying to do as the player is you're trying to say... You're trying to... You're trying to basically give a clue to what card you're talking about. They'll have a hand of cards and they'll give you one of their cards. And then you kind of mix all these cards all together privately. And you kind of create this thing. And then, then people are trying to guess what the what the card was originally and those kinds of things. And it's about it's one of those games where if everybody gets it right, that's not good for the person. If nobody gets it right, that's also not good for the person. You've got to try and get that balance in the middle. So it's that kind of you want some people to get it, but you want some people not to get it. So you want to be abstract, but you can't be you can't tank the game and be like, say, just like lettuce, cabbage, tomatoes, and just that's it. That's all you say in a sentence. It's got, you've got to try and help people. I'm not sure why that was the first <laughs> sentence that came ahead that was that was, that was ran, random. But it, and there's lots of games that do this sort of style of thing. There's like Muse, When I Dream. There's other ones that come this. Mm. Dixit is one of the original ones. And I'm just thinking 2008. Like yeah. That, to me, doesn't sound like it was that long ago. No. But actually, it is. That's a yeah, long time exactly. ago now. And in terms of the board game the, industry. I, the, the game comes with like 80 plus cards. And then it's got... 84. Uh, and each expansion has 84. And it's got lots of expansions, <laughs> which have got... Thank 
thank you very much. Um, you're the marketing team. Um, it's got lots of expansions, which basically just add more cards. So, in, so relatively cheaply, you can just add more cards, and it, it's very replayable because you're not going to have. By the time you get one expansion, if you even need one expansion, a combination of cards just means it's going to be infinitely replayable. Mm. I mean, it's one of those things where yeah, it, it, it's great. It scales up through the ages, and you can quickly play it. You can structure it, or you can just play a round of it or two to warm up or to have those kind of get those creative juices flowing. I think these these kinds of games, I think, are really interesting. Yeah, definitely. And it is odd, isn't it, thinking how much games like this have inevitably inspired games like When I Dream. Like, were you discussing that then, describing it, is actually so so similar to yeah. When I Dream and lots of other games as well in terms of that giving the perfect clue so not all players but some guess yes. what, you're, what you're asking. Yeah. Um, yeah, I also really love the meeples in Dixit. Little rabbit meeples. I think they are just adorable. The first one on my list is Sagrada by uh, Floodgate Games and designed by Adrian Amescu and Daryl Andrews. And Sagrada was a game that for so long I was adamant that I wouldn't like. I was like, no, it's we're so not easy. buying yeah. this. This is absolute, this is absolute like hokum of a game. Like, I don't, I don't know why you th- I'm not interested it was hokum. I don't know why you blocked H-bombs. I don't know why I blocked H-bombs either. But like, I'm not interested in placing dice. No. No, no, no. And you know what? It's a replayable little Jimmy. Yeah. Like... <laughs> It's like Quacks. You were saying with Quacks as well. I actually don't think it is because with Quacks you can kind of see the... Because it's got that push your luck element there's yeah. something about wanting to push it each time or, or like kind there of test yourself. There was battle with, these, with that with, game though, But yeah. with Sagrada it's about the crafting and I think it's similar if you've played a game like Role Player and in a way it is I think I made that connection because of the dice but it's that like can I be really perfect with what I'm crafting here and because it's um, inspired by the windows of the Sagrada Familia in Barcelona I think there is that really satisfying feel of like I want to make something beautiful and perfect and lovely Um, and I I think that um, there's something about that I think for me I wouldn't say that I'm a particularly neat person but I do like whenever we play a game with patterns yeah you are very I really like to adhere to a pattern yeah but Sagrada (laughs) actually rewards you. Um, rewards you for that yeah. so that is enjoyable for me and I think that it's one of those games where Jack and I will often play a shorter game in the summertime when the evenings are lighter and this is one that easily gets to the table then yeah it's, it is really like it's really like kind of one of those games where it's variation comes because the dice rolls will be different what you're dealt basically what you're dealt every time you're kind of doing a very similar thing each time creating good combinations across your your window that you're building but because the dice roll it's a bit like a roll and right the dice roll will be different every time so you have to respond differently to your thing that's every single time now some people might find that repetitive i personally as a player find that really engaging i find that's mm. enough for me to be like oh great i did this this and this this time and i did that that and yeah. that and like managed also, to it's only with that. 30 minutes so it's like and if that it game lasted it's for two hours yeah it's like, I can't go back and do this again over two hours, but for a 30-minute game, it's really... Compelling. I think that's a sweet spot with a game like this, is that, is that it doesn't overstay its welcome. You're not thinking, I'm just doing the same thing for an hour. I haven't done anything. There's not deep strategy here. You're like, by the time you've kind of got to the end of it, also, it does that nice scale-up where you're like, I really need this certain result now. So like yeah. you've got that kind of... And so you don't even notice that you're just picking from dice. So you're like, oh, I need this. And then you get it. And you're like, yes, I got it. I did this thing. Or you don't get it. And you're like, oh, no my life is ruined um, but it's, it's that kind of feeling and it's like, and it's over so it's just like oh okay like we could play again or we, or we could move on and it's just like it's not like but an hour and a half doing it yeah I also was really sceptical about how beautiful this would look on the table because I was like it's just coloured dice at the end of the day how nice could it look and it actually does look really nice when they're all out together yeah it does I think because I was I was super sceptical that the, it wouldn't live up to the board art and to, to be fair sorry the box art and to be fair the box art is really lovely um, and the dices don't really hold a candle to that but they do look very cool all next to each other yes yes so the next one on my list is a game called the fox in the forest by foxtrot games and renegade game studios and it's designed by joshua burgrell so this game is a really interesting one because this is again a lovely gorgeous package design art really nice really lovely um, visuals it's a it's it's a trick-taking game so Examples of trick-taking games would include um, it's, it's hearts Trump? and trumps and what do you call it? 
I can't remember what I call it. Process of elimination, possibly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but those kinds of games, I think Hearts is the one. I think, like, is Rummy? Not Rummy. Not no, Rummy's not one. No, not Rummy. Um, there's a, I can't Is it Whist? One of another classic card game that I can't remember the name of because it escaped me. Um, that is a trick-taking game. And basically, in a trick-taking game, it's uh, like a trick, effectively. Nah. <laughs> trick-taking is one of those ones that's really hard to explain because you explain it by saying all the words that are in trick-taking games. Well, so, maybe l- l- trust us to understand. But you're... So you're, so you're you're playing cards from your hand in a series in the round which are called the tricks and it's, you're trying to take the trick by, by sort of winning winning it or not as the case would be there's often a tactic of not winning it because the way they work is that it's again one of these things where it's the same sort of idea if you win them all that's not good if you lose them all that's not good you want to be somewhere in the middle it's like that's often often a way these games are scored mm. so it's like a bit of a balance mm. um, and usually there's some kind of suit that like is like the super suit that round or that game where it's like if you've got a, a, usually it's highest number then if you've got a club that beats everything this round, so if you've got a king king of clubs or what ace of clubs, that's going to win hundred percent. But if you use that, you can't use it again later. So it's a kind of always often a playoff of like when do I use my certain cards and how do I use them? What Fox in the Forest does is adds that, that basically with a deck of cards. But it's not just a standard deck of like a normal normal standard deck of cards. It's got card abilities on quite a few of the cards. I can't remember exactly which ones, but it's got quite card abilities. I think on about five of the five or six of the cards yeah. in the in the deck. Uh, oh, sorry, in the deck in each. In each of the three suits, I think I'm pretty sure there are three suits, and, and, and there's there's five or six cards of abilities, and this these abilities just give it that nice flavour where it's like it's not too complicated, but you're able to be like ah okay. I see what I need to do. I, 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 if I do this now, it changes the game. It, t- it turns the suit around. It changes the value of the card. It does something differently, and that I think is like makes it really like dynamic and really like kind of you know quite engaging because obviously a deck of cards themselves is often the most replayable game because you've got so much choice there but Fox in the Forest it just it just has that ability to turn that and then when you add it with the really lovely art and the kind of overall package yeah it's, I think it's a really great really great game yeah it's interesting what you're saying about the a fairly simple idea being taken to the next level in terms of replayability and what makes it interesting to come back to with that little extra something in uh, the case of Fox in the Forest the uh, abilities on the cards and how that's satisfying to combine those in different ways yeah. and in Sagrada I didn't mention but the, there are certain tools you have in the game to play dice in, yeah. in a different way with different powers and I think it's that, like this is a simple game and you've given me a little bit of variation each round and now I want to see how I can play with that yes, each time exact, we play exactly, exactly, yeah. um, Fox in the Forest fun fact um, came to our wedding location with us it did yes it did it, did. it came to our wedding it did it was there <laughs> It was, it, was a wit- it was a witness. It was the Fox of Honour. I realised that um, saying that the Fox of Forest came to our wedding with us makes it sound like I actually attended the ceremony. Yeah, wore a little suit with a little bow tie. Do like, you reckon? Hello. Hello, I object. I've been in love with this woman all my life. <laughs> That's my old fox love. I don't know where I'm going with this. I'm going to stop talking. <laughs> yeah, you probably should pull um, out of this. Pull out of this. Yeah, ab- abort. I'm going to talk about Harvest Island next published by Big Fun Games and designed by Chi Fan Chen. And Harvest Island is a recent discovery for us and one that I fell very quickly in love with. So this is a game about immersing yourself in a a tropical land where you're growing fruits and you're coming into contact with charming critters. And at its core, it is a... How would you describe this? It's kind of a little bit of... Set collection? Is it set collection and kind of hand management and... Bit of drafting. It's kind of a set collection, hand management, drafting with a bit of push your luck, kind of yeah. like yeah, yeah. It's I kind think, of all actually, those things together. I think together. the easiest way to, to describe this game is to talk about the narrative, yes. which you're trying to um, grow and harvest crops throughout four seasons, and throughout those seasons, uh, the weather can change, but can have adverse effects on your um, on your harvest, and you are trying to grow what is in season. So at certain times of year. Uh, different uh, crops will be more bountiful than others or might not be available and what's really cool in Harvest Island is two things I think firstly you have a level of perfect information where you know exactly how many crop cards there are of each type of crop in the game and so you can really play the odds so if you're a game like Jack a game like Jack for example you'll find that incredibly satisfying to be able to work out okay there are only five bananas in this season and I've seen four of them so there'll be only one left um, and I think having that level of information is quite cool. The other level, uh, the other thing that's really interesting in Harvest Island 
is that cards don't get immediately discarded when you remove them from your hand. So you have quite a tight hand limit of four cards. And so if you are trying to set collect something before you start planting it, you can't really hold on to cards to the detriment of your opponent, um, which is interesting. I really like the tight hand I, limit. It was really, really interesting because like often you're, my instinct is going to just to hoard everything and work out what I need. Yeah, because Jack and I play a lot of two-player games against each other, our games very quickly take on a, well, I know what you're doing, so I'm going to try and, in addition to um, trying to pull off what I want to do, be aware and not aid you too much. Um, so in Harvest Island, that tight hand limit plus then a public bin, if you like, when you discard the cards, they go into this market that then gets shuffled out over time so it doesn't immediately get pulled yes. out of the game. Um, which is really, really interesting. The art is also really nice on Harvest Island. It's one of those games where it's like, it's a pretty simple game. And at the end of the day, it's about harvesting crops. So, you know, not, you know, set your world on fire, adrenaline. But the artist, Jin uh, Yi Chu, has this really lovely style. It's the kind of thing I like. I want it on wallpaper. I want prints of it. Um, and the addition of animals, is I find that really compelling. Yeah. Obviously, because I am me. Do you are you? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's really it's really great. It was a game we discovered recently, and it felt like one where it's like I wish we discovered this earlier. It's yeah. really great. Also, it's one of those games where the first time we played it, we were like, "We're going to play this again." Like yeah, we like yeah, this. Like this yeah. is. And um, we sat down and we were surprised by how much we engaged. Yes, definitely. So the next one on the list is a game that actually came up the la- on the last episode previously on what games with my wife. We spoke very briefly. We were talking about um, uh, Friday. We, I, I spoke very briefly about. Uh, Anirim by Zedman Games, designed by Shadi Torbay. And Anirim is a game that I think, for me, is very well played. I don't think you've, ever, you've actually ever played it. Um, but I play it I lots of times. I've watched you play it. You've watched you play it, yeah. From the rafters. So, <laughs> well, it's, it is technically a co-op game, but it's basically a solo game. It's kind of like, it really is a, its best solo. And what it is, is a deck of cards, and you are effectively trying to navigate your way through a maze and find keys to get out of these maze and you're being attacked by these nightmares as you go through this maze and it's it's like it's hand management and a bit of kind of decision making around when you get these monsters that come out you can discard certain cards that will get rid of them but those are the cards you need to win so it's like if you basically if you run out of cards you lose the game so you're trying to work out okay can I how can I best navigate these cards what, what when do I give up my keys to maybe defeat the nightmare but also then I'm gonna you know I'm gonna um not be able to escape or do I allow the nightmares to take because they ultimately they discard cards away from you to take cards off me because I know I'm going to be okay and it's do we feel anxiety from this game uh, see I don't but I could see how some do because it's quite stressful it's quite a lot of management quite a it thinky. sounds stressful and yeah. also like the nightmares like it's not like a it's not just stress in terms of making decisions is it you've got quite a stressful theme but it's one of those ones where if we go on holiday I pretty much and it's a longer holiday I, t- I take this one with me as like a, just like a little fun like game to play like just if like, my wife's asleep again <laughs> it's like just a little fun game to play by myself just to be like a little card game that I can just sit out you know outside and just, just play through the deck and just be like this that was fun try and beat my previous scores try and get do better and be basically finish with more cards left yeah really, like, kind of really like really fun engaging experience and it's one yeah. of those ones where I regularly return to it can we talk briefly about the uh, artist for the publisher Zedman Games, who I believe is called Elise Plessis? Yeah. Um, and Zedman, it looks like take a strategy with the Oniverse, which is which this game belongs to, uh, that Fruit yeah. take with their games, which they have the same illustrator. And I absolutely love her illustrations. They have this really wonderful uh, kind of graphic novel novel feel about yes, them. They yeah. have um, their hand. I believe they're hand illustrated and they look they look like the inside of some like not a not a child's but someone's scrapbook yeah um and you have this really wonderful um rawness about these illustrations that I think for these games in their oddness and sometimes their anger uh because uh, I'm just looking at Sylvia on, on the shelf as well which is another one by the same publisher and illustrator is about a fire in a forest um, there's something about the darkness of the nightmare and the the kind of aggression of the fire that really suits this um, yeah. art style and I'm just I'm really interested in the kind of stuff she creates she also uh, has a shop I'm just realising as I'm I'm browsing mm. around and so I need to have my internet connection removed oh dear okay so now I've taken 
my internet connection away, uh, I'm going to return to the wholesome territory of Letter Jam, published by Czech Gains Editions and designed by Andra Skupi. And Letter Jam is one of our favourites because it's one of the only games on this list I think that's cooperative. Um, besides, technically an iron is cooperative. But with yourself? Yeah, but it's technically a two-player. I think you can play it two-player, but it's basically one-player. <laughs> it they're basically solo games. It's, it's, it's not a bit But Letter Jam actually is a cooperative board game. Actually, work game. solo, I don't know. No, it's one to two. Yeah, it's one. Um, and it plays for two to six players, so it's, it definitely is a cooperative this game. Was, this was, yeah, this was, yeah, this is one. And this is another game um, similar to Harvest Island that Jack and I sat down and we started playing it and we were like, we like this game, we're going to play this again. Um, and so in Lesser Jam, we provide word-based hints so everyone can de- deduce their scrambled mystery word. And so Lesser Jam is kind of a combination of a little bit mastermind, a little bit... A little bit just one. A little bit just one, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Um, and so you are trying to work together to solve the letters that are in the word, which I think is what makes Letter Jam really memorable, is that I can totally see this being a competitive game. Yeah. At one point, I wouldn't have been surprised if this was competitive, but the fact that players have to work together um, to try and solve the um, the word puzzle is really interesting. It also demands that players work strategically and cooperatively um so you don't just want to be prioritizing the best speller for example because if they are the ones that are solving the problem and then the you know the less able speller doesn't hasn't solved what the letters are and so you don't win as a team yeah and so it really makes you think how can we play most effectively as a team and also learn things? Yeah. You know, there's more confidence with spelling for those that are interested in playing with younger players um, and and really working together. I think it's such a um, sophisticated game design and also really, really replayable. Like yeah. Jack and I played this a few times in a row just at two players as well and we had a really fun time. Yeah, we? we do, we do. It's like, kind of like, oh, we didn't win because we didn't do this or like, yeah, we, we, we should have done that. Or And also it's one of those ones where you think, it's it's funny because you sit there and think when you have your word you've got to try and help other people get it's like oh this is oh, this is easy like this is this is gonna be so easy and you like maybe nail the first word the first time you do it and you're like this is gonna be easy and after that you're like how are you not getting this this is yeah. so easy and it's just like but it's just like it's not when someone's like yeah and what's funny is when when it's that confidence of someone being like I'm really confident I know what this is yes. and it, because it's got like an A it's like, it might be like it might be like I don't know like. O- o- OPE for example and it could be like anything it could be hope it could be actually could it just be hope cope cope is that word is that yeah. <laughs> so but it's, but it's like someone really nope. confident but, but nope exactly but that's one of those ones where it's like I really confidently will be like well it's going to be hope it's only word that starts o- ends OPE yeah, yeah. and I put yes. it forward and you would be like no I think also not, like when you others. when you hone in on something with a word game yeah. you can really get like letter blindness yeah. and being like but there weren't any other words in the whole world that ended in AT. And it was like, well, there are. <laughs> um, so that's it's a really, really fun game. And uh, one of those games that you can get out really easily, but then plays for a little bit longer than I think you might expect. So the average play time is 45 minutes, which I think for a small game is a fairly decent time punch. I think it's one of those ones that could be, can be really quick and it can be a bit longer as well. I think it probably does heavily depend on player count and, and also speed of players doing things and those kind of things. <laughs> I was thinking. But like yeah. in a two-player game, we, we, we whiz through it in like 20 minutes so normally and then obviously play it again. Yeah. And again and again. It's hard to say because we play it often. It's one of the games we just play it like three times in a row so it's like, yeah. I don't know how long that was. So it's yeah, like, yeah. we might have been here for two hours but it, because one of the games took ages the other two were really quick sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. But it's a really good one. Really like Let's Jam. Uh, so, next one for me is Villagers, designed by Hakan Gardner and made by Sinister Fish Games. So, Villagers is a quite nifty... Ooh! <laughs> is it, but is it natty? What's natty mean? I say natty quite a lot on the podcast. Oh, Should you be a listener? Oh, okay. Oh, apologies. <laughs> I'm, listening to, I'm a listener in my day-to-day life. I've never noticed you say natty before. A natty little game? Oh no, that doesn't sound yeah. that's, oh, that's, that's like oh, I've had like PTSD there. I'm like, no! <laughs> Not a daddy little game! Not a daddy little game. I don't want to play a daddy little game. <laughs> you will play a daddy little game. <laughs> it will be villagers. Anyway, villagers, that's what I was saying. 
is an athletic little game and it is a drafting set collection style game where you are ba- kind of building a village from these no! guess what village- <laughs> are you saying that because it's so obvious what it was yeah. you're doing from these villagers and you're kind of collecting different resources bringing in different villagers who are going to perform different jobs and you kind of got the set collection of like if you collect a certain amount of you know blacksmiths that combine with ore that do this that produce this they'll get you more points at the end but then you want to vary it across your village and have lots of different types and they kind of come in these colour bands it's got this really simplistic but lovely art on it like it's really like it's like I can't get over how much I like the art yeah by uh, by my usual rules it's not there shouldn't be art that appeals to me absolutely but there's something about it that's so charming and I think actually there's a really great humour used in the characterisation of the villagers but not that's then trying to be too funny yeah it's like a it's actually brilliantly done it's subtle where it's like it's like a it's like it clear, crisp, clean. Lots of like use of like the white white backgrounds and like yeah. the color strips and those kinds of things. But then like the art itself is like it's yes, yeah, it's, it's charming, but not like too charming and twee and funny and like silly. It's like yeah. but it's like so it's practical. And yeah, it's funny that like, you say that because again, it's the kind of art to me that I if someone described this to me I think I don't really like the sound of that but then when I see it I'm like oh wow I really like, I really like that and also I think it also works so well as a tableau as well yes. so once yeah. you build up your village yeah. you have this really um, striking art presence on the board I also really like that the villagers clothes match their set colour yes yeah. little details like that I'm just like I appreciate that yes like, that is nice isn't it? it is nice, yeah. so yeah so it's, so, so it's a set collection style drafting game so you're drafting cards you're building your little village and you're executing kind of engines as well and doing those kinds of things and it's just got this really like kind of like neat replayable nature to it of being like oh I, I wish it is it, as, as with any drafting slash random randomless game the, the the market area the pool area wherever you get people from or things from will always be different or have variation to it based on what your players take what comes out what comes out in what location what you're at what you have available to you at the time to be able to utilize so there will always be like a even though it's the same content and the same sort of combos are created and the same executions mm-hmm. done at the end for how you do the things getting there is often quite an interesting different journey and you you've got that little branch off path you'll take during the during it and i find that really engaging i find that really interesting yeah me too i think that the word neat read really describes these all of these games that we've been talking about is the kind of game you're like well that's neat yes and it's the satisfaction of being like the appreciation of neat design and design that you can easily pick up then appreciate and then want to replay like definitely i think villagers definitely encapsulates all of that Last one on the list is Azul, published by Next Move Games and designed by Michael Kesling. And Azul is another one, listeners, that I fought against for a long time. The, what this is, what this is showing me, this list is these are these are games where I see them and I see people talking about them and I think, you know what? This will fit a, quite a nice hole in mm. our thing that you regularly talk about of saying like, I'd love a game that plays in half an hour to forty-five minutes. That, you know, you can just put on the table, really quick <laughs> setup, not hard to remember the rules, and you play it and it's done. And maybe you play it again if you if you're having a good time. You regularly say, it. even on this podcast, we might have recorded evidence of you saying that's what you like. I'd like and- you to find the tapes. <laughs> I bet you can't. That man will have them on his DVD. <laughs> but then, but then when we when I when I, when I propose them, you're like, no, no. no. I think I think again. I think it's from. I think it's similar to Sagrada, where I don't. I'm not blown away by the production choices in Azul. I find like yes, when once it's built up, it looks quite nice. But I'm not. I'm not jazzed about plastic tiles. I'm just not. I'm not jazzed. I'm not jazzed about. Has anyone been jazzed about plastic tiles? I think people. I think actually no. I I retract my I retract my pithy comment because I'm quite jazzed about plastic tiles. I'm not. I'm. I'm definitely more of a like. Give me beautiful card art, or yes. give me your card, your card, your card. I said card pervert. You're a card person, though. You're like your <laughs> These games we've got a lot in common. Azul Sagrada. They're like they're composed. And, and actually, funny enough, I really like that. I like yeah. coloured stones. I like coloured dice. I like coloured tiles. I'm like I think it looks like candy, and I want to eat it. <laughs> you're you're like if it's not on a card, I'm not happy. I think. No offence to everyone who agrees with Jack, but I think my... Oh, here we go, here we is, go. ...is the more sophisticated... More sophisticated. I knew you were going to say the more sophisticated way <laughs> You want it. to eat the game pieces. I think it looks really great. I think it looks lovely. I think I love and, the tactile nature. I love feeling them. But they're not that fun to feel. They're just smooth plastic. If, like, imagine, imagine oh, people for one Jiminy Cricket moment. Imagine if this was like textured, like uh, brushed glass or stone. Like, imagine how expensive that would be to make. Like, okay, think about um, Dragon Castle then. 
Think about though that is a good tile, okay. man. Yes, but in the fe- in the defense of Dragon Castle, they are they are Mahjong tiles, and the production of those will be cheaper because they are regularly made. It's just getting something different on them. I don't think the production of these Azul tiles would be that much. Anyway, regardless, we like the game. <laughs> don't be put off by me saying that I'm not that jazzed about plastic Dragon Castle. Tiles. Is good production actually. Thinks about really it. Yeah, good that is well, that is a good. That's a good. You, you've made a good counterpoint. I there. have. Well done, me. Anyway. That would be a good one for this list, Dragon Castle. There you go. If you would like to add it, we we actually do play Dragon Castle often. Yeah, we do. There you go. Um, and banana grabs. <laughs> I got it in. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you don't jump with that. Um, so, Azul, we do like it. So you we do are, like it, um, yeah. artfully embellishing the walls of your palace by drafting the most beautiful tiles. So another game where you're doing some drafting, you're doing some... Um, tableau building but with tiles rather than you know anything else that you might usually use um, and this game plays for four, two to four players over 30 to 45 minutes so obviously it's that kind of length Jack was completely right when he was saying that we should get it um, it's really accessible for us um, and it's a game that goes down really well with our family and non-gamer friends as well so it's a lovely one to have in the collection and I think has a couple of nice expansions as well doesn't it? It has no it has like um they're like they're like sequels where they're like slightly like I think there's stained glass Sinatra or yeah, Sintra. Doesn't one of them have a different plastic shape? I think it's just the triangles of the one you're thinking yeah. of. The stained so glass. The stained glass of Sintra. Sintra, that's it. Yeah, Sintra, not Sinatra, not Frank Sinatra. Oh, that's interesting. You'd want to eat these. Would I? Am I going to yeah. eat these? No, I don't actually. Bizarrely enough, they look like lozenges. Oh, you don't want that lozenge? No, you don't want don't lozenge. Don't give me a throat sweet. Imagine if, like, you know when you like, you like, you like, no offence, Nans, but you know when like, your Nan offers you like a lozenge, you're like, you can like a lozenge. It's like, actually, no. It's like, actually, to be fair though, saying that, I retract my pithy comment again because because my, my, my granny used to offer me um, Fisherman Friends and I used to love oh, Fisherman no. Friends. I used to Did love Fisherman Friends. Yeah. That's quite a not, not not the Not the really mentally... She used, I think she's had, I think. And There's maybe, a cherry one as well. I, I might be dreaming this. I think she used to have a lemon one. I think it was lemon. I Do think it was like that. Do you want to know fact about Fisherman's Friends? And I, is it like a dark secret of Fisherman Friends, the organisation? No. Are they, are they, are they <laughs> involved with the Illuminati? And like... I don't think, I actually can't say for sure, but I don't <laughs> think so. Um, they have laxatives in. That's hilarious. <laughs> don't, don't all mints have laxatives in though? Do they? I think all mints have laxatives in. I think that's why you're not supposed to eat a load of mints. Because, like, well, someone's always told me <laughs> that's why you're not supposed to eat a load of mints. Because mints, mints are naturally have laxatives. If you, if you, if you shot like a tube of soft mints, which I regularly do, to be fair. I say regular, I don't do that on the basis. I do not want to know about but, what happens but, when you But shot. no, but if you, do, if you do eat like soft mints, hard mints, whatever mints, mints, mints are naturally laxatives in them. I don't know why. So, listen, did you, did you come for the board game chat? And All these then facts stay about possible facts about mints. But Fisherman <laughs> Friends are great. No, they're not. There's a weird mentally one that I don't really like, but I think I, th- I think it used to be lemon or like a, or like a I remember it, like a citrusy style flavour, and that used to be some good stuff. That used to be some good good stuff. Okay, well, th- th- summary of that is the uh, pieces in Azul of the Sintra game looked like lozenges, and that's why we're talking about laxatives. So <laughs> there you go. So we got there. Um, so I'm going to leave it there on Azul and wrap it up for now. I'm googling Fishman Friends lemon. <laughs> Why? Get doing that? Yeah, there is lemon Fishman Friends. Oh, we can get them. Please the don't. You're shitting yourself. <laughs> <laughs> what flavour are these? Yeah, aniseed. Oh. Original. What is original? Because then there's cherry, lemon, blackcurrant, and mint. I thought original was mint. No, original just like mentholy. I don't know why. I don't know why. Well, also, why are they the friend of the fishermen? Like, why do fishermen? I want? think fishermen are like hardy, hardy chaps and, and chapettes. So they're like, I need a good strong mouth. My breath smells, so I need. A, I don't know why. I you need care. a good strong mouth. My breath smells. Yeah, they've probably got a smelly mouth, so they're like. Why? I'm not sure why. Actually, to be fair, <laughs> I'm not sure why fishermen have smelly mouth. <laughs> That's that's. I'm trying to think of the through line, the marketing behind Fisherman Friends. Why would it, why would a fisherman maybe need mints? It, maybe, maybe they need the laxatives. <laughs> <laughs> maybe it's because they last for a long time. So like whilst they're out at sea doing this like quite you know a hard task, they got something to suck on and chew on. Yeah, maybe maybe maybe. I'm, I'm, I don't know. I'm Rather not, than they smell and they're constipated. Also, like even if they did smell it, <laughs> <laughs> let us know if you're a smelly constipated fisherman. <laughs> But like, oh also, God. if you did smell on on on, on the sea, like, would you care? I wouldn't care if I was a fisherman. I smelled. I wouldn't you care. You don't care if you smell in this house. <laughs> so I'm a fisherman. <laughs> you uncovered my true identity. 
Are you putting an accent on to be a fisherman? Well, no, I'm not. I'm just speaking my normal voice. Oh, okay. That's just my normal voice. Oh, there's a twang of an accent. What there. accent would I go for, a fisherman? I don't know. That's what I'm I don't know what a fisherman accent would be. But I'll be doing like sea shanties probably though. Come on then. So I'd be like, arr. Oh yeah, the weatherman comes. Arr. I don't want like a pirate. That's just that's the only way I go to. West Country. Can't, can't we do the um, the weatherman? No, we can't. We can't do what you've always wanted to do your yeah, entire life. This we're not we're not we're not pivoting into being a sea shanty based podcast. The name of the ship was a belly. <laughs> right? Is that is that whatever the hell game we were talking about? <laughs> we're talking about Zoom, yes. <laughs> Great content, as per. Great content. Fisherman friends, buy 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 yours at your local <laughs> supermarket or convenience store. You probably can't get them outside of the UK because why the hell would anyone else? It's one of those <laughs> weird sweets that we've got in the UK. That everyone's like, what the hell is this? Non-UK listeners, can you tell us if you can get Fisherman Friends where you live? And if so, would you ever consider buying them? Like, I think cream eggs are making their way out there now into the wild. I think you can get cream eggs. I told you the other day, other people that do not know anything about American customs, Americans don't have Easter eggs. It might be that only we in the UK have Easter eggs. Do they not have Easter eggs at all? I think eggs at Easter, chocolate eggs. Shouldn't they get chocolate eggs? I'm pretty sure that they they think think it's weird. Do they? Yeah. Was that like subsets of Americans? Because America's a big old place. I don't, I don't know. I saw, if I'm honest, I saw this on Twitter. <laughs> so, so if you're honest, you saw a tweet that said this, yeah. and you took this as your gospel truth. I've taken it as fact. <laughs> so unless you... I'm corrected otherwise by listeners to this podcast, I'm going to carry on thinking. To be fair, you once were corrected by listening to this podcast when you said that you didn't think America had buses. It's not that I didn't think they had buses. You didn't think buses existed I outside just don't the UK. Imagine buses to exist in America. You but let's not. Can we not return to that particular <laughs> brain bubble where it's like, hold on. Loading, loading. I just think that's brain. amazing they don't have Easter eggs because I, I would have thought they would have Easter eggs, but then it's like one of those things. Maybe they do Maybe that's why they didn't have the cream egg because they're like, why would we want a chocolate egg filled with like a fondant icing? To be fair, that's a valid question. Then you no, it's not. Well. How dare you? Oh, okay, that's the line. <laughs> that's the line. I love a cream egg. I I want to move on to the next segment of the show because I feel I feel like you're just you want to chat shit, frankly, okay. and I'm I'm, I'm bad enough. <laughs> Right, so we're going to talk about what's been on the cards. What's going to be on the cards. Well, I think that's probably why we need to chat a lot of shit, is because we haven't had a lot on the cards. Yes. we played... oh, Did we play Canvas? We did play Canvas, well actually. Well done, us. We did play Canvas by Road to Infamy Games and designed by, I don't know who, but I can tell you'll you. You'll tell us. You'll tell us in, in, in three to five working days. I'll tell you in three to five working seconds. More like. Designed by Jeff, Jeff Chin and Andrew Nerger. And Canvas is a game that I backed on Kickstarter... Last year? Last year. Okay, last God, the year. years merge into one, don't they? It's like a blur. Of like, yeah. It feels like you did it like two minutes ago, but also it feels like a lifetime ago. It also ago. does still feel like January, and it's actually April. Is it so April? It's April. Oh my Mid-April as it's well. Really, we're, we're a third of the way through the year. Let's not discuss it. No, Let's not even dwell on it. It's Christmas soon. Next week. Shh, shh, that's enough. <laughs> um, and Canvas is a really cool... You know what? It's a nasty little game. Um, and... <laughs> you can't say every game is a nasty little game. But in this episode, these are... Can we just... Maybe. No, we just retitle it Ma- National Games. Like, I have power over the Photoshop um, template. I might just call it. I a- have power. You've got too much power. We need to review this power. <laughs> Good luck. People want to know what the hell that means. Good luck. Seems to see our listeners drop off a cliff, being like, "What's a National Little Game?" <laughs> Let's do it, listeners. Let's but do it. Canvas is what is it? But it's- oh, the reason I backed it is because it's a really interesting looking game yes, where you is. layer transparent cards on top of one another to mm. make art pieces and I have just never seen something it's like that so in I, I've seen it uh, I've seen the transparent cards used uh, another game I think it's a game called Gloom uses transparent cards I might be wrong with the name of the game but there's a game I Gloom think it was just them. discussed yeah. the and there's another one that I couldn't remember what it's called that used transparent cards which I didn't research what it was called but yeah I've seen it but I've not I've not necessarily uh, seen it done that well and beautifully and like wow yeah. that's really cool like really really yeah. stunning and it was a game of uh, combination making um, art storytelling and kind of just letting your imagination fly with the support of game mechanics, uh, which I really like in the game. I like it when a designer start, seems to have started from somewhere where it's like, how can we create the feeling of painting or of creating? Um, and I feel in Canvas it does feel like you're creating, even though you're playing actually what is quite sometimes a kind of combo heavy game where there's a lot of thinking to be done there's still that you know you're making something and yes. often you're making unique combinations because there are so many ways to layer the cards like yeah there are it, lots of cards in the it's, game it's one of those games for me where if you stripped out and obviously this is this is completely why you don't strip it out but if you stripped out all of the theme 
and the idea, it is actually quite crunchy and like you're creating these combos of like, I say crunchy, it's not that crunchy, but it's quite like thinky, I don't mean crunchy, I mean thinky. It's quite thinky. You're creating these combos and being like, right, you need to match these certain symbols and shapes that will then get you these rosettes that will then get you points at the end of the game. And it's like how many you're trying to do, which ones you're trying to pursue. And that that in itself is, is quite thinky. But then because they put it behind the art and the kind of the way you construct them in this kind of beautiful three stack sort of method, it almost like it takes it away. And that's yeah. what I think is really cool. It takes that away because it's like, that's just where things have to go and they have to go in this certain order and that's how I'm going to do it. I think that is really great use of a, a really solid underneath game and then putting the design on top that makes it, brings it to that next level. Yeah. Yes, it is. It was a really, really uh, compelling play and a probably actually could go on this list after we played it a couple more I times. Would, I would have thought so, yeah, because the first play was obviously a bit shorter, a little bit longer because it's always, it always yeah. is. But then after that, yeah, I think we now know what we're doing. We could, we could blitz that out quite easily. Yeah. Uh, if you're interested in the sound of Canvas, it's having a secondary printing, I think, this month on Kickstarter. Really? Yeah, so... Well, it feels a bit weird because we got ours about three months late because of Brexit. Yeah, we had... It was delayed shipping to the UK, but there's a secondary printing and an expansion coming to Kickstarter, I think, pretty soon. So if that piques your interest, keep your eyes peeled on Road to Infamy Games Online. So, I think that's all we've got time for. What are we going to play next? Um, I don't know. I've asked you the question. I think we're going to play Trekking, aren't we? Oh, we are. We're playing Trekking Through the Park, I think we got. We got trekking th- or did we get Trekking Through the World? Because no, Trekking Through the World's the new one. one. We've got the old one. We've got the old one. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Is that it? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I'm interested by this. Trekking. Trekking. I've seen a lot of people talking about the, the Trekking game and then the new one that's just come out, I believe, or very yeah, recently trekking out. The trekking the World has just come out. So we thought we'd try the original one first, see how we get on with that. So we're going to try that one. That one's that one's on our list to try. Yeah. Um, you know what's still on our list? Concordia. That, oh, will, yeah. get, that will get played. That will get played possibly when we're through. We're in a very time... Heavy period. Um, a time-consuming po- point of game work for a title we've got a um, bit of time off coming soon hopefully because it's <laughs> touchwood uh, and then we'll, I, think, I think we'll use that to play Concordia yeah I don't know how it's got to the point where if we're playing a game for over an hour we need to take a day off yeah I know this is like we used to play like four hour sessions of games like yeah. we just now literally anything over an hour now we're like can we fit that in is that going to be okay yeah but still that's why we like our national little games isn't it national little games we'll play some national little games between now and then we will anything else any more for any more? No, no more for no more. That's it. All right, okay, then I think we can say goodbye. Uh, we'll see you on the flip side. Do remember to come over to Birdwood Games to enter the Mariposas competition and get the interview with Elizabeth Hargrave in next uh, our next newsletter. Um, come and chat to us as well. I'd love to have a natter. Yeah. A natter um, about natty little games. I, you know what? That is me all over. A natter about natty little games. Get our t-shirt. Yeah, I'd like that. Um, but until then... Happy gaming. Happy gaming. We'll see you next time. We'll see you next time. Bye. Conclusion.